that is, was, oh, that, this, oh, sorry. It cut all of that out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And And this this is Hashtag Hashtag History. The podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike. Where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. History episode 16. I am Leah. And I'm Rachel. And I just wanted you to start first, Leah, because I typically talk so much in Love these episodes. It. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, I want to dedicate this episode to my mom. Um, number one, she is super, super supportive of the podcast and listens to every episode. So hi mom. But also, for her birthday this year, we visited a really neat historical location, and she's been telling me ever since that trip that we have to do an episode about it. So, here it is. That really neat historical location that we visited was the Winchester Mystery House. Before we even begin, I want to know what you know about the Winchester Mystery House, Leah. So, despite it being so close to where we live, um, I've actually never been. And I've yeah. always wanted to. Yeah. Um, but it was a crazy lady who built a crazy house with like hidden corridors and doors that lead to nowhere. And yep. people say it's haunted. And am I on the right track here? You're 1 million percent on the right track. Um, I have always personally nerded out about this house because it is just such a fascinating story. But I... Also, I just visited the house two months ago, even though it's like two hours away from us. So now I can finally say that I've gone. I'm kind of ashamed that it's taken me this long. I mean, I still haven't gone, so. It's amazing. I'm going to, we should be sponsored by the Winchester Mystery House because I'm going to plug the tour like this entire time. (laughs) So this week, obviously, we're talking about the Winchester Mystery House. It's located in San Jose, California, which again, that's like, two-ish hours from Leah and I. Because so much of the story is potentially folklore, what I am doing here on this episode is sharing what I was able to gather from historical research, what I know because of legend, and just kind of what my experience was on the tour. So this episode may be a little bit different than most, just because a lot of what I'm going to share is from personal experience. Now, for those that have not been on the tour and or are not familiar with the Winchester Mystery House, this place is huge. With 10,000 windows, 160 rooms, 2,000 doors, 47 stairways, and uh, only 13 bathrooms, this house is insane. And as legend has it, The reason that this house is so huge is because the owner of the house, Sarah Winchester, was extremely superstitious and a hard, fast believer in the supernatural. She continued to build onto the house over and over again to escape the ghost of those killed by Winchester rifles. That's the legend, anyway. We're going to dive into the true story of Sarah Winchester and her mansion on this episode of Hashtag History, but first, let's drink. 
Okay, so I'm going to um, go really literal again this week. And for some reason, when I go literal, it also means we drink gin. So I'm sorry. <sighs> Don't know why, but that just seems to be what happens. So yeah. I have to admit, I've started liking gin. I had a feeling. I've actually made myself a couple gin cocktails on the weekend just to, <gasps> you know, quote, get rid of it. I don't even know you anymore. I know, but I started enjoying them a little bit, and I think it just proves the more you drink something, the better it gets, like, beer. I still tolerate it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully all all of the 20 different um, ingredients will cover the taste of it for you. Can't wait. (laughs) So today's drink is, drumroll, the Winchester. So original. I dig it. Yeah. So it contains three ounces of gin. Three um, ounces, guys. Yeah. And the original recipe actually calls for three different types. And I'm sure it's like really low class that we're only using one. But what do you mean? Of course, I use three different types. You did? Of course not. Okay. I was like, (laughs) why do you have three different types of gin? Nope. Just the one that I need for this podcast. (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, Three quarters ounces. Whoa. Three quarters ounces? Three quarter ounce. Three fourths ounces. (laughs) Three fourths ounces of lime juice. Three fourths ounces of grapefruit juice, which I put a little more grapefruit juice on it. Oh, no, Um, I wish I had. Yeah, three fourths ounces of elderflower liqueur, which Rachel just mentioned on our live um, Instagram feed. She she tastes she sampled the liqueur and it was super good. Delicious. Yeah, a half an ounce of grenadine, a fourth ounce of ginger syrup, and one dash of Angostura bitters. Which can we just say, at least for me, those one dashes of bitters never actually are one dash because all of a sudden you've accidentally squirted like seven of them in uh, the glass. Yeah. Okay. Not to mention, like, I can't, it's hard for me to believe one dash is doing anything. Nothing. So it's usually two or three for me. Yeah. Okay, so, well, should we drink before I go on? Yes, let's. I'm very, very thirsty and very curious. Okay. Mm, You can taste that gin. That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm going to be honest. It's been a little while since we've had a drink that I didn't like. I've loved every single one of our drinks for the last, like, 10 episodes. Yeah. I'm not in love. Okay. Can I ask you what drink you made with the elderflower liqueur that you did like? Because I want to try it. Yes, I because I just had um, fruit juice already in the fridge. I mixed, I did tequila, elderflower, and fruit juice, and it was phenomenal. Oh, that actually sounds really good. One of oh. the best drinks I've ever had. I think this particular drink that we're having this week, the Winchester, um, there are three ounces of gin in here. So for not being a gin person, the fact that there's two shots of gin in here. Um, not in love. I do love that it's pink. I do love that the drink actually has a little bit, even after I mixed it, a bit of like a gradient look. Uh Um, the top is like a little lighter and it goes down to like a deep red. It's really pretty. Mm -hmm. I will still drink it. Absolutely. Not my favorite Yeah. It's, it's okay. Actually, I just, I just stirred it and it was better, but I've stirred a lot. (laughs) Maybe I don't like gin. Maybe I like all the other stuff and all the drinks I've been making. <laughs> and it just well, covers the the taste of gin. I was going to say, maybe you don't like it when there's two shots of gin. But didn't you do two shots of gin like a week or two ago? Yeah, I think I did. <laughs> well, anyways, the Winchester is a perfect name. 
<laughs> it's a perfect name for the spin on the zombie cocktail with the British spirit of gin replacing the rum of the original cocktail. So I don't know if anybody's had a zombie, but it's basically this drink or very oh. similar to this drink. But have you had one before? Rum. No. Well, I've heard of it. I oh. might have actually had it once or twice before. But I, I didn't necessarily have. know what was in it or anything. Sure, because we're sophisticated now. Right. Yeah. So now this cocktail was created by mixologist Brian Miller. And he's won all sorts of accolades for it in the cocktail industry, creating the first, quote, tiki drink ever made with gin. So it's got to be good, but not for people who don't like gin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also so, cool. Yeah, so like I said, the original recipe calls for three types of gin to be mixed together, which I wish I was that affluent and fancy to do, but I'm just not. No. So we're going with the the middle-of-the-shelf brand gin. Yep. (laughs) And we're keeping it classy as always, which might actually mean this is a butchered version of the cocktail, but I am who I am. And I am who I am. Yeah, so that's enough about mixology. Let's let's move on. All right. (laughs) I'm still digging it. It's still a drink. Yeah. Just and truthfully, drink. I'm almost like excited that I don't love it because I have, I feel like I've gotten boring with our cocktail segments because I've loved all of them. Do you think you would like it with the rum instead of the gin? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. No reason why I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I failed you. <laughs> it's much, no, I'm like very excited about having a drink I don't love, but even right there when like there was a pause. It's because I was taking a drink. Oh, okay. So obviously it can't be that bad, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So let's start with who Sarah Winchester was. Sarah was born Sarah Lockwood Pardee in 1839 in New Haven, Connecticut. And her early life obviously doesn't matter at all because we know next to nothing about her before her marriage to William Wirt Winchester on September 30th, 1862. What we do know is that she was one of seven children and that her father was very wealthy and made sure his kids lived a life of luxury and were really educated. Sarah actually spoke four languages and ended up being accepted at the Young Ladies Collegiate Institute at Yale College, which is really cool and really impressive. But like I mentioned earlier, her marriage to William Wirt Winchester is what really put her on the map. He was the only son of Oliver Winchester, who was the owner of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, which is obviously best known for the Winchester Rifle. Winchester rifles changed the game because, well, to be honest with you, I don't know anything about guns. (laughs) (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) So I can't really explain to you the details. I know that the magazine, which I'm familiar with what the magazine in a gun is, the magazine in a Winchester was better than other models on the market at the time. And I also know that the Winchester was the first rifle to have a wooden fore end. Yeah, I don't have any idea what that is. I think that's the part that rests on your shoulder when you shoot a rifle. Is it? I think. Okay, well, all I know is that that was a big deal, that it was the first rifle to have a wooden forend. Um, For any of you listeners that are into guns, send us a message on Instagram and let us know 
if we're right about that four end um, and why being wooden is a game changer. We'll give you guys a shout out on Instagram if you answer our question. Can I just put in what I think the reasoning is? Because it's the yes, part that it- like you rest on your shoulder, right? So I would assume that it being wood would kind of make it have a little more give and maybe not dig into your shoulder as much. Dude, you get a gold star if that's the correct answer. Okay. Gold star all the way. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, so Sarah and her husband, William, they had one child together, a daughter named Annie, who was born about four years into their marriage. Sadly, Annie passed away only 40 days after she was born. She had a... Rachel <laughs> Strong. I feel, I feel it. Um, She had a disease that basically didn't allow her body to metabolize proteins, so she was super malnourished and slowly died, which is, yeah, that's awful and completely devastating. The death of her daughter forever haunted Sarah. Sarah continued to experience tragedy when her father-in-law, Oliver, died in 1880. This meant that Sarah's husband, William, became the successor of the Winchester business, Too bad he then died only four months later from tuberculosis at the age of 43. Sarah was devastated by these losses, but she made out like a bandit. Her inheritance came out to a whopping $20 million. Now that's $20 million in 1880. Today, that's the equivalent of over $500 million. Woo! That's a lot of tequila to buy with that. Oh my god. She also received a daily, I don't know if you heard that, daily source of income from her 50% ownership in the company. And that daily income was $1,000 a day, the equivalent of over nearly $26,000 today. Daily, $26,000. I actually don't know if I could even spend that much in a day. I I don't even have a concept for how much money that is. $26,000 daily. Like, what do you do with that? She probably well, didn't spend it all, right? Like, Oh, just you. Wait. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Sarah Winchester used this huge inheritance and that daily income to build her infamous mansion. She moved to California and began what is now known as the Winchester Mystery House in 1884. I'd like to add here that there are rumors that she consulted a medium back home, and it was this medium that told her that she needed to move to California ASAP and begin building this elaborate house with her blood money that this was the only way she would ever be able to escape the ghost of all those killed by Winchester rifles. Which, like, first of all, not your fault. No. That your husband's dad, you know what I mean? Like, why is that your, why is that on you? I get that. Um, This here is, like, one of the biggest rumors about Sarah Winchester. This could all be rumors because... Sarah actually had some pretty practical reasons for moving to California, too. She had family there, many of which had come this way during the gold rush. She also had a family member that became a really prominent person here in California and actually ended up becoming our governor in the early 1900s. Wait, do you know the name? 
Oh, God, why'd you ask me that? Yes, hold on, hold on. Uh, Not that it matters. Like, why why did I ask that? (laughs) No, I want to sound smart and answer it. I totally looked that up. Govna. Govna. The Govanator. Yeah, okay, so her um, family member was... Um, his name was George Pardee, and he was the governor of California from 1903 to 1907. Cool. I don't know, like, why, I, I don't know why I asked that, like, assuming I would actually know who yeah. it was. Why did I we, ask? We only know the Californian governors for the last, like, 10, 15 years. Like Arnold. <laughs> yeah, we don't know Governor Pardee. But he was a family member of Sarah Winchester, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worth considering that information when determining why Sarah actually came to California, because the tour guides at the mansion definitely don't tell you any of those practical reasons. No, they probably pump up the mystery aspect, one, right? One million percent. Sorry, I just burped while I was saying that. That was gross. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> hear you burp okay (laughs) also we're on page four of ten i do have to pee i'm not gonna pee right now i'm gonna see if i can make it all the way through okay and just for everybody who's listening in rachel might we we did a live instagram thing (laughs) and she took she got peer pressured into taking three shots and so there you go let's let's be honest there was minimal peer pressure (laughs) (laughs) i feel like yeah the third one you were like everyone was like okay bye have a good night ladies and you were like should we should should I do one more? <laughs> that's exactly and nobody what actually answered. No that's, one actually was like, "Yes, do it." <laughs> that's exactly what happened. So uh, yeah, thank you for that preface, though, because I'm feeling a little sloppy. I think um, people dig it. Okay, <laughs> I might leave it in. We'll see. <laughs> now let's get to the construction of this crazy house. Sarah moved to what is now San Jose, which, like I shared earlier, is only like two-ish hours away from where Leah and I live. She moved to San Jose and bought an eight-room farmhouse on 161 acres of land. Pretty shortly thereafter, she hired a full-on crew of construction workers, approximately 20 of them, and began the work on her house that did not end until her death 38 years later could you imagine having the sound of hammers and freaking oh construction no workers just... no i i get annoyed when the neighbor's dog barks for too long well yeah that's because it's really freaking annoying rachel <laughs> depending upon which source you read or which tour guide you listen to construction either continued 24 7 365 Or you might read that Sarah was pretty generous to her employees, paying them well and giving them long breaks, especially over the hot summers. Regardless, this construction did continue for 38 years straight, with neighbors stating that the sound of hammers never ended. I would, oh, that would be infuriating. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Now, the construction of this place is bonkers. Leah, I am going to have you check out a couple of the pictures and let me know what you see, although you did already mention um, you're familiar with kind of these oddities of the house. Yeah, so the first one is exactly what she said. It's a door to nowhere. 
Um, you're, it looks like you're walk, you're on the outside of the building and you can see that there's a door on the second story just leading out and to nowhere, (laughs) to nowhere. It it looks like a cartoon, right? Like, like you would step out the door and like, okay, I'm going to fall several feet to the ground. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting, but yes, I have seen that before. Uh Uh-huh. And then the second one, which are the stairs to nowhere, similarly are stairs to nowhere. Um, it's like a set of stairs leading up to it that just goes all the way up to the ceiling with no door, no opening above it, nothing. It's just leading literally to the ceiling. The cool thing about the tour, which again, um, Winchester Mystery House sponsor our podcast. <sighs> <laughs> the cool thing about the tour is that's one of the first things you see. It's literally like right around the corner, right when you go in and start your tour. They say, as you're walking to- through this hallway, check out on your right hand side, the staircase there and you check it out and it you just see it leading up to a ceiling. It's crazy. Right in your entryway too. <laughs> yeah. So there are the um, really infamous stories that Sarah intentionally built her house in this absurd manner, believing that she could confuse the ghost that haunted her with doors or staircases that led to nowhere. More practical accounts, though, state that Sarah just couldn't settle on an architect that she really liked, and so she decided to drop the blueprints for the house herself. She was a really intelligent woman, but she had zero education or training in the field of architecture, which led to mistake after mistake. And when you're pulling in $10,000 a day, and then some, you can afford to make mistakes like that. I get frustrated with myself when I'm working on like a craft project or something, (laughs) and I mess it up because that was like $20 wasted. But Thousands wasted on ridiculous architectural errors was no biggie for Sarah Winchester. Yeah, it like regardless of the reasoning behind it, she has to have been a pretty eccentric character to either believe that ghosts, you know, put stairways here for the ghosts or to spend $10,000 a day on mistakes. Like for 36 years, you have to be an eccentric kind of cray cray person to do that. Agreed. Agreed. Whatever the truth is, whether it's these crazy stories about her or not, there's something funky here. Yeah. Another particular room in the house has garnered a lot of attention. The tour guides and of course the Winchester Mystery House website refer to it as the seance room. Legend has it that Sarah would lock herself in this room nearly every night and tell her house staff that they were not allowed to bother her from the hours of midnight to 2 a.m. That was f***ing loud. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. That was literally, I had to pull my earphone away from my ear. It was that loud. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. No, don't apologize. That was hilarious. And also, I'm, I'm totally drunk. I wish we were together. Oh, me too. <laughs> now we're getting all mushy-gushy. Okay. It was in this room that Sarah would contact the spirits who would then provide her direction about what she was to do next with the house. 
Other more practical reports, though, say she may have used this room for meditation, while other reports even state that the room was simply like a waiting room for staff. I do have one funny story about this room, though, from when we did the tour. Um, so during during the tour, there had to have been like maybe 40 or so of us doing this tour. And it's people that you don't know, people from all over the world. We even had um, this really cute couple from Germany that did the tour with us. Um, but so you get in this room and the tour guide tells you to shut the door. So you're all squished in this room together with the lights super low and the door shut. And the tour guide tells you super creepy stories about this seance room and Ouija boards and whatnot. All that is in this room is either um, you can look on one side. There's a window that you look down and it drops straight down into the kitchen sink. Or there was a very narrow door that opened up into what looked like a closet. The tour guide said, well, we're not going out the way we came in. So the only way out is through this closet door. Any takers? We all just kind of stand there and stare at each other before Alex, my Alex, my fiance, was the first to say, yeah, I'll go. And then just disappeared through the closet door. (laughs) So, you know, I was like, that was pretty hot to me. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, okay, I'll follow. Yeah. So there are a lot of other really interesting, really unique details about the Winchester house. Supposedly as legend has it, Sarah had a thing for the number 13, which is a really interesting number to have a thing for since we all know 13 is an unlucky number. Yeah. In several other rooms, you'll notice that there are 13 windows, 13 sets of stairs, 13 panels on the floor. In one room, um, there was even a chandelier that had been imported from a foreign country that only had 12 um, light bulbs on it. So when we when it came here to San Jose from that foreign country, Sarah actually had a 13th light added to it. I'm just like imagining like a stupid looking like modern light bulb screwed into like this glass (laughs) chandelier or something but of course we're talking about someone that was making ten thousand dollars a day so it was a phenomenal beautiful looking chandelier that i i would have never known there was a 13th one added to it okay all right yeah everything in this house is phenomenal winchester mystery house please sponsor us Like I mentioned earlier, there is both a staircase and a door that led to nowhere. But there are also all of these chimneys that have ceilings on top of them, completely cutting them off and therefore defeating the purpose of a chimney. Woo! 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 (laughs) The house is filled with all of these abnormalities. In one room, our tour guide challenged someone to open up. Um, It was like a cabinet door. It looked like a kitchen cabinet door where you might store like spices or something. When the guy on our tour opened it up, it revealed a brick wall. (laughs) So it's kind of like in those cartoons where the character opens a door to run through only to slam into a brick wall. It was the same deal. Cool, cool. (laughs) It makes me wonder what all of the construction workers that Sarah employed thought. Like just complying with this crazy lady's request. Yeah. I feel like after the first decade, I would just be like, whatever you want, Sarah. Yeah, exactly. Because Sarah supposedly treated them really well and they received really good paychecks. So maybe they did just roll with the punches. Yeah. 
One of the most interesting things about the tour was going into what was called the Daisy bedroom. Apparently, this is where Sarah was staying when... Leah, do you know off the top of your head something that happened in San Francisco in 1906? Is that the fire? Uh, Close. It's another natural disaster. Oh, the earthquake. Yes. So this earthquake, for those that don't know, it was the great San Francisco earthquake. It reached a magnitude of 7.9 on the Richter scale, killed nearly 3,000 people, and destroyed about 80% of San Francisco, which is just crazy yeah i feel like that is the number one reason and the number one event that happened that made people scared of earthquakes absolutely i mean you and i have been to san francisco several times for anyone that's not from our area san francisco is like a really major city there's a lot of really cool stuff there's the ballet there's the san francisco giants there's a lot of really neat things there so although it's a pain to drive into the city it's a amazing city mm-hmm. so to hear that 80 percent of it was destroyed only and that 100, was yeah that 100 was like years in the ni- ago yeah 100 years ago so it probably wasn't even as big or as booming as it is now right it's just crazy to hear <sighs> that yeah. yeah this earthquake that hit san francisco it shook all the way to san jose to the winchester mansion where sarah was left trapped in the inside the daisy bedroom as floorboards collapsed the roof caved in and the door became jammed Ooh, that's scary frightening eventually one of her house staff was able to break into her room with a crowbar there's actually a little mark on the door in this room that is supposedly a groove from the crowbar This earthquake completely shook Sarah up, no pun intended, as I can only imagine it would for anybody. She made the necessary repairs that she had to to the northern side of the house for safety reasons, but she never fully refurbished it, nor did she ever sleep in that room again. In fact, she basically shut off that side of the house after the devastation of the earthquake. I actually have a picture um, of the damage to that specific room for you to check out, Leah. Yeah, so it's just uh, the Winchester house with some severe damage. Uh, You can see like bricks are crumbling and a wall is like falling apart. Um, It's Mm -hmm. from the exterior, this particular picture. So, Yeah, so that has been repaired enough just basically for safety purposes. But like I said, she never actually completely refurbished that side. And the other crazy thing about um, the devastation of the earthquake, the Winchester house actually once stood seven stories high. Whoa. And how tall is it now? It's now four stories. So the top three stories collapsed and Sarah never had them rebuilt. The house that we see today is still massive at four stories high, but that's nearly half the size of what it used to be. Sarah Winchester was extremely private, which, of course, led to the allure of this mystery house. She was so private and kept so much to herself. There are actually only two known pictures of her. I've uploaded those for you to check out, too, Leah. Okay. I'll start with Sarah Winchester Younger. Um... I always, like, I don't know what what to say when it comes to, like, a, a picture of someone. I know what to say. Okay. She looks she looks like my boss, which I think my boss is beautiful. No, she's definitely like, yes, gorgeous. Yeah. 
Um, I don't even... She, she has, like, curly brown hair. She's young. She's got pretty eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's one of her that's older. It says, Miss Sarah Winchester, only known portrait in existence, which that's obviously false. Well, but it's only the second picture of her. And this picture here is actually the only picture that was ever taken of her on the Winchester property. Oh, and it's a photograph, whereas the other one looks more like a painting, perhaps? Correct. Correct. Yeah, so it's her. She's definitely in her old age. It looks like she's in some either the back of a car or um, some sort of carriage or something. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it goes without saying that Sarah was filthy rich, which I have no understanding of. But anyway, this house is covered in... I guess I didn't actually look up how to pronounce Lincresta. Is that how you say it? <laughs> Lincresta? Lincresta. Yeah, sure. I'm Let's just going to say that. it that way. Okay. Lincresta wallpaper, which I'm so sorry, but I do not remember exactly how much it cost when the house was being constructed, but it was something absolutely insert. Insert absurd. I literally said insert, which is not a word. You did. It was something like $20 for every square inch, which at this time, working folks weren't even making $20 a day. Some Oof. of the dirt. Yeah. I just honestly, when putting together this episode, I have no concept of that type of money. And I'm not trying to make myself sound like super broke, but like having in 1880, $10,000 a day. Yeah. I have no concept of that. I I just don't know how you... I guess you get accustomed to whatever scenario you're in. But for me, like, I can't imagine... Go Well, I guess she was raised rich too, though, right? Maybe Correct. not this yeah, rich. She, okay. No. Yeah, but she was wealthy growing up. Okay, so I guess I could see that. But, like, if I went from just, like, a regular middle class kind of lifestyle into this, I... I think that's what it is. It's like, we, we, we don't know how to spend that much money. <laughs> Correct. Well, I feel like either you and I coming from the backgrounds that we come from, either we would be super conservative with our money, spend it really wisely, or we would go crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least I'm speaking for myself. No, there would be crazy. <laughs> there would be crazy. Some of the staircases in the house are fitted with brass fittings in the corners. Um, Sarah was doing this intentionally to be generous to her staff in that these brass fittings would make it so that the staff would not have to clean up any dust that would collect in the corners. The brass fittings were insanely expensive, though, and required a lot of polishing. So she didn't exactly save her staff any work. But I say all of this just so you can imagine the cost of putting brass fittings into the corners of stairs. But Sarah Winchester had the means to do this. The most expensive window in the house, known as the Tiffany window, cost $1,500 for that one window. Leah, I've uploaded a picture of that one window for you to check out. It better be like a stained glass piece of freaking artwork. <laughs> Where is this window? Yep, it's a stained glass piece of artwork. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's a beautiful stained glass window. 
Yeah, so it is beautiful. Um, I'll be honest, though, on our tour, when we were walking through, people were a little disappointed to see, like, that is the most expensive window in the entire house. And I'll explain why. Um, this was actually, talking about the windows, it was my favorite part of the tour. Someone asked our tour guide as we were going room to room why there were so many windows in each of the rooms. In total, there are 10 thousand windows in this house and the way that the windows are placed does not make a whole lot of sense like why would you need a window facing outward just to look into another room in response to this question our tour guide said something that was just crazy to me and made me look at the whole house completely differently he said that many of those windows were originally windows at the front, back, or sides of the house looking to the outside. But Sarah just kept building and building onto the house so that eventually each of those windows became inside windows. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Uh, so this, yeah. this $1,500 window that you looked at, it's beautiful. And it's a stained glass window that would shed so much beautiful light into a room. But because she kept building onto the house, it never served its purpose. Right. Another really funny feature about the house um, is that, well, Sarah Winchester was reportedly only like four foot ten. Aww. So yeah, so she was a tiny little lady. It was really cute on our tour. They had like a um like a little measuring chart for how tall she would have been. And right when the tour guide mentioned, like, this is how tall Sarah Winchester was, check out this measuring chart. He pointed everyone's direction to the measuring chart. And my poor mom was standing right next to it, which my mom is only like maybe 5'1". So it was hilarious. She was standing right next to the chart when everyone's attention was drawn to it. And she's right about the same height as Sarah Winchester. <laughs> but because Sarah Winchester was so um, short, the house was actually retrofitted for that. The shower heads were all lower. The ceilings could be low in some rooms. And... The funniest feature in the house to me were the stairs. Each stair was only an inch or so off the ground. Oh, I hate that. I hate yes. stairs that are um not very it's not the depth. It's I guess it's not very high. So yes. it just it feels like more work. It really Oh does. no, 100%. That's what I was going to say is that after going like one flight of stairs in this house, your calves would be burning. Yeah. There is actually one area of the house that has four, four flights of stairs, but it only gets you up one story. So you're taking dozens of tiny, tiny steps to literally only get like a couple of feet higher in the house. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. That's the only thing I loved this tour. That's the only thing I would say. My calves 100% burned because the steps, you almost don't even feel like you're moving your feet because you're lifting your feet up such a small increment. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Um, on September 5th, 1922, Sarah died from heart failure in her sleep. Sarah left a will that, in natural fashion, was organized into 13 different sections with her signature signed 13 different times. 
Since Sarah had almost no family when she passed, she left all of her belongings to her niece, Marion Marriott, who obviously did not have the capacity to keep everything in the house. Marion kept what she wanted and auctioned off the rest. So the furniture that's now in the house is not the original furniture. Much of it is just like period appropriate pieces that have been bought at auctions over time. Now, the house itself was not mentioned at all in the will, so it was placed for option. Option. God, I'm dying over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm, you are. No, I'm joking. Okay. Um, now, this house was not mentioned at all in the will, so it was placed up for auction to the public following Sarah's death. Well, which is crazy to me. She did. She had a 13-section will and it didn't mention the thing that she spent like how much money on oh no that's i i actually don't know how much money but yes i agree with you like if you leah god forbid you pass away you're going to mention your house you just bought your house right and i haven't put like millions of dollars into it either but but your house is probably your most important asset correct yes correct yeah it costs more than your car so Uh uh-huh yeah, a lot more. So it, <laughs> a lot more. So it's crazy that the house was not mentioned in the will. And the other thing too, the house did not actually appraise well due to the earthquake damage, and it actually sold to a local investor for get this, a hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars. Crazy. Mm-mm. You can't even get a shack in California I for was, that price. I was just going to say that for our listeners that are not in California, I would like to advise you that $135,000 will get you a shack in the hood. Uh-huh. Okay. But it 135000 for this local investor got them this huge mansion. The mansion was then leased to theme park owners who eventually purchased it and opened it up as a tourist attraction only five months after Sarah's death. a little gross. Little bit gross. So as you and I know, mystery sells, horror sells, the unknown sells. Mm -hmm. So just how much of this mister, mister, I was going to say mysterious. Mysterious. I wish wish you were drunk too. (laughs) So just how much of this mysterious allure of the Winchester house is true versus how much of it has been created over time by the owners and tour guides is unknown. One article I read by someone who has done a lot of research about Sarah Winchester quoted a tour guide that said in the beginning days of the tours, guides were actually encouraged to make up stories just to add a little more thrill and excitement. That's not surprising. No, not even remotely. So much of the Winchester Mystery House story is folklore, but it goes without saying that there was still definitely something funky about Sarah Winchester. I mean, regardless of whether she was evading ghosts or not, she was still building staircases that led to the ceiling. And building a house for 36 years. 38. 30 freaking eight. 38 years nonstop construction. I mean, that's not sane. No. Eccentric. 
Yes. Either way, there is a mystery there. My cat just stuck his ass in my face. Thank you. (laughs) Since I dedicated this episode to my mom, I wanted to end it with her favorite story from the tour that we took. At the very end of the tour, our guide led us to this grand ballroom. He showed us a small door within that room that he said was located by house staff following Sarah's death. Behind the door was a small closet, and in that small closet was a safe. According to our tour guide, house staff started to get excited, thinking here in the safe is where Sarah had kept her oodles and oodles of money. They cracked the code and opened the safe, only to find inside of it, any guesses, Leah? A dead body? <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, they cracked the code just to find another safe oh, inside. <laughs> it's like those presents where people just wrap it in boxes. Yep. They finally cracked the code inside that safe, and inside they found Sarah's most prized possessions. It wasn't gold. It wasn't silver, wasn't rubies, nor diamonds. Inside the safe, inside that safe, they found the obituaries of her husband and her infant daughter, along with locks of their hair. That was such a cool way to end the tour for me. All of this wealth and all of these amazing possessions that Sarah had And the most important things to her, the things that most she was most determined to keep safely locked up, had to do with her family. It all came down to her family for her. And that was really, really cool. Are you about to cry? A little bit. I feel a little little emotional because someone that had $10,000 a day, her most prized possessions that she kept within a safe, within a safe were the locks of hair for her husband and her daughter. That's both very moving and also very sad. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah. It's so sad. Well, now that we're all sad, I just want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode of Hashtag History. I'll post the pictures that Leah described plus some of my own personal pictures from the Winchester tour to our Instagram. Also, you can head to our website to see all of the sources we use to put together our episodes. If you're ever in the area, be sure to do the Winchester tour. Seriously, you guys, it's so cool and it's so worth the hype. While there, I also found out that you can have your wedding at Winchester. So uh, how does a drive to San Jose for the big day for me sound, Leah? I was about to say for me. (laughs) Yeah, no, yours already passed. Yeah, it's done. Um, But yeah, you know I'm game. Just don't do it on commencement weekend. (laughs) I've also already put a deposit down on our wedding venue. But I mean Winchester, come on. Winchester, (laughs) though. But really, though, if you guys are in the area, be sure to check out the Winchester Mystery House. And if you're in the area for that Winchester Mystery House, make sure you let us know because Leah and I will totally take you out for a drink. For sure. (laughs) If you enjoyed the episode, do us a favor and subscribe to Hashtag History on whatever podcast platform you use. Share it with a friend and give us a rate and review. And as always, be sure to check us out on Instagram at Hashtag History underscore podcast. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. (laughs) That was obnoxious. I loved it.